Welcome to Grateful Scripts, and I'm your host, Lindsay Paulson. Join us as we dive in each week to talk healing, adulting, and resources for trauma, life, and just showing up for one another. Together, we are going to learn everything our parents forgot to teach us in a community of grace and humility. Grab the coziest blanket you have, some snacks, snuggle up, and be ready to digest the best script that anyone can prescribe. This is The Grateful Script. Welcome back to Grateful Script. I am your host, Lens Paulson, and I am so excited for our guest today. Um, I think you will be wowed by her story, and I think that you will be just in awe of everything that you kind of learn here today. So my guest today is Maddie Stiles. Maddie, welcome and thank you for joining us. And for those who don't know you, tell us a little bit about yourself and a little bit of your background without spilling the tea too soon. Okay. Uh, Well, my name's Maddie. I'm from a small town, Moorhead, Kentucky. Um, I, (laughs) until a few months ago, was very much selling insurance and I owned my own agency and I was quite successful at it. I'm also passionate about working out and uh, social media. Yeah, and you're really good at it. Thank you. And you also are about to be a new mama. Yes, I am about to be a new mama to a baby boy in January, hopefully sooner. You know, I feel like he'll be done cooking before then. So, yes, I'm yeah. ready. Yeah. Um. So we had talked a little bit and. Maddie and I actually met through the real estate industry. So oddly enough, we met in a showroom filled with bathtubs. So more on that later. But we actually met through a networking group and kind of kept in touch, touch base. And I knew a little bit about of kind of what was going on in Maddie's life. We had done, there were some celebrations and then everything kind of did a little bit of a quick turn. Um, so <laughs> you're laughing because she's a, the best for all. But Maddie, tell me um, kind of about the text that you unfortunately had to send a month ago and kind of how it has transpired and why we are here today. Yes. So um, I have never, I guess this kind of relates to that. <clears throat> I've never been somebody that like quote unquote dates around. So if you do, that's fine. That's just not my cup of tea. So I met someone earlier uh, this year who um, just told a really great story about who they were, the life that they lived, and kind of the life that they wanted to live with someone uh, someone else. And it aligned a lot with the goals that I've personally had just based on relationships I've seen in my life and specifically my grandparents. And so long story short, I, I married this person um, and... <clears throat> It was going great. Um, He had kids from a previous marriage, and I loved them and got to bond with them and get to know them. And then, unfortunately, about a month ago, um, (laughs) he just lost his mind on a Friday night. Um, And the events that transpired ended up in me calling 911 three times uh, because they were not getting there quick enough for my liking. Okay. (laughs) I pay my taxes. When I have an emergency, I need you to show up. (laughs) This is... This is pronto. Um, And so he ended up being removed from the home uh, forcefully by uh, two police officers. And then um, 
Well, I'm going to be honest with you. I th- that person was my husband, and I thought it was going to be the the rest of my life. So that happened on a Friday night. Um, and after they left, I was terrified, and I went and laid down in the bed. Because um, what else do you do when your life has just fallen apart? But I was trying to figure out, to be honest with you, if my life had fallen apart. I was trying to process what just happened. How, how severe is it? Is this an overreaction? Is this an underreaction? Like what, excuse my French, what the hell just happened? Yeah. No, absolutely. <laughs> and mind you, the situation was a little bit spicier um, because he knew I was pregnant, obviously, by him. Um, and uh, he chose to, to leave without giving me any access to money. And he also chose to leave with only one meal in the fridge, knowing that I was pregnant. So just fear, shock, confusion, um, food scarcity is not something that I have known. And so not even like knowing what to eat that night because I thought I would have to save that meal for I didn't know how long. It was just a really bad night. It was a really scary night. And I cried a lot. And the next day was Saturday. And I I didn't really get out of bed, to be honest with you. Um, I just kind of laid there and couldn't really move. And Again, just trying to process, realizing that when I woke up, it was severe. It had hit the fan, and it was not going to ever be the same, and I didn't know um, what that was going to look like. So Saturday, I just kind of gave myself a day to grieve because as I was realizing that since it would never be the same again, I was going to have to fight, and I didn't know how long I was going to have to fight for or or what it would look like, so I gave myself one day. Um, and then I woke up on Sunday and I was like, okay, this is absolutely devastating and horrible. Um, but I, I'm a mom now. I believe that conception starts at life. So I'm already a single mom and it, you, you just have to figure it out. I've learned. So I had to text you because your husband owns a moving company. And I think I literally said like, hey, Lindsay, what are the odds that you would move all my belongings knowing I cannot pay you and I do not know when I would pay you? I think that's literally what I sent you. Yes. And I like I was in Minnesota. So my daddy um, was actually having a procedure done at Mayo Clinic. And so I'm like states away being like, wait, what? Like I obviously knew that you were married and that all of the things were pretty much going in alignment with what you had wanted and everything was going great. And then all of a sudden you're like, okay, red flag pivot. Like we've got to adjust. And I was like, okay, well, I'm I'm not there, but I can start trying to help like put the pieces into place. So that's kind of what we did. Like, you know, we, you were able to help have find some really, really good people who were able to help move. And, um, there was a rental home that was available to kind of pivot you into just for safety purposes. And you had a lot of big community items kind of come from that, I think. Uh, yeah, well, that's what probably the craziest thing is, is earlier I mentioned my passion of social media. Uh, you never know what will come from social media and the people you meet on social media. So the lady <clears throat> who helped me that day, uh, I had only ever met her one time in a coffee shop. Um, and we talked about insurance and real estate for probably an hour and a half. And she was awesome. And we could just clicked and kind of texted and stuff after that. And so I was supposed to have gone over to her house that weekend for... I believe it was like a pool party or something. And I texted her and I was like, I'm really sorry I didn't respond. That's not normal for me. Um, some things are going on <laughs> and I can't, I, I can't. And she called me and she was like, what, what's wrong? And, and I was like, and I, I kind of just had to tell her everything. And so she said, okay, um, do, do you have any money? And I was like, oh, no, absolutely not. Um, and she said, okay, I'm going to go buy 
um, or rent a storage unit for you and rent a U-Haul. And me and my boyfriend are going to come pack up everything we can with you. And then we're going to get you out of there. And then we're going to figure out the next step. So I don't know about you, but I would most likely not do that for someone that I had only met one time. Yeah, that is um, a God, a God <laughs> gift right there. Like that is a holy hell, like out of the ballpark person. So kudos <laughs> to that friend. Yes, yes. And then you found me a rental home graciously and I got to stay there. And um, <clears throat> something that I take a lot of heat for, like positive, negative feedback, mostly negative um, and mostly private. People seem to give me feedback in private um, is my social media. So I have a unique life story prior to this event and something that I've said once before or twice before on social media that people seem to not believe is that I really used to not share my story. Um, if you had met me even mm, two and a half years ago, you would not know anything about me. You would just think she's upbeat, a little crazy, and probably drinks too much caffeine. I hated to share who I was, where I came from, and what I'd been through. And why I started doing it um, was because my grandmother, uh, she raised me. And she um, actually passed away um, from congestive heart failure in 2022. And... Um, we knew that her time was coming just because we'd been battling for, for four years. And one of the hard conversations we had, I was, I was like, Marty, how, how do I keep your legacy alive? Um, and she, she, uh, she said, you tell your story. She said, I, I need you to find your voice because I'm losing mine. And I need you to tell people what has happened in your life and what you've overcome because there is another little Maddie who is hurting in private. And if nobody ever tells her it gets better, she's not going to make it, is what my grandma told me. Um, <clears throat> so I started sharing my story on social media. And the first time I ever shared it, I made a video and it was called Marty Monday. <laughs> and I shared... Um, I love it. Yeah. I shared a life lesson that she taught me. And it was, um, if a flower doesn't grow... Do we blame the flower or do we blame the environment? Typically, we don't ever blame the flower. Uh, we blame the environment. We say, I'm a, you know, I don't know how to garden. The soil was bad. The sun didn't shine. Too much rain came. Um, and the reason that that's such an important mindset is because we need to realize that our environment matters Im immensely um, in correlation to where we are and where we want to be. And so I shared that video. <laughs> I was like, whatever, I have nothing to post today. I'll share that. And it, I, I counted before coming on here. I received 46 messages from people saying, I've never heard this. This just changed the way that I view myself. And this changed the way that I view the whole or situation that I'm in. And so after that, I literally started sharing my story, everything, the good and the bad, the ugly. And to tie back into this, why I get so, so much negative feedback is people say you shouldn't be so personal. People could use it to hurt you and they can or they you know just it's it's tough to be vulnerable but my point in this Lindsay, is that if i had never started doing that i don't think people would have helped me out of the situation that i'm currently in now no i i think that when you are so vulnerable on social media i think it brings a realness to the situation i think that it shows people that hey this person, I can relate to that situation. I can relate to that quote. I can relate to that. I mean, I don't know that I can necessarily relate to your whole dinosaur outfit that you had that one time, 
but the rest of it has always been like on point. I am not a big dress up in giant inflatables, but you know what? That video was pure gold viral and it has stuck with me to this day. I was like, this girl gives no rips. Like she's about to get on here in this dinosaur costume and sell me insurance. You know, um, I will say to, to add to that, prior to my current fiasco, there would be a few times that I would go on dates with people, first dates, and you'd be surprised. I guess people really do look other people up on social media. Um, and I don't, it happened like three times. I'd be sitting at a table in a restaurant and they would bring it up. They'd be like, so I actually looked you up on social media, Turkey Tom or like Paul Revere, like or Dino Woman. And I would like, I would die of shame a little bit, actually. Like I, I can get embarrassed. It just takes a lot. I think it's incredible. I think it's, it's definitely but it's memorable and it makes you relatable. And I think that that is one thing. And like I tell, I've told Maddie multiple times, like I, she does get criticism in these comments on Facebook and I am in awe of the things that people say. And I, do you ever feel like people feel comfortable saying that to you more because you're so vulnerable on social media? Yes, uh, I do. But I also sometimes I do get to the point where I'm like, huh, like um, the, <laughs> I removed this person. So it's OK to talk about. But during this current fiasco, I commented that there were certain items that I was looking for. You know, like I think I said I needed a bed, a bed frame, a table. I was just asking if anyone had extra things that they didn't need anymore. And somebody commented it was like a really long comment. So I don't remember everything, but she was like, well, what'd you do with your husband's things? Where's his furniture? You know, what happened to it? Like what's, what's going on? And I was like, man, um, I appreciate you feel comfortable asking me that, but maybe you shouldn't ask me. (laughs) Yeah. That's wild to me. Legitimately (laughs) wild. Like, why does it matter where it's not here, Linda? That's where it is not. Yeah. It listen, Carol, it's gone. (laughs) It's, it's into the abyss. It's not coming back. That's all you need to know. No, no further questions. Um, well, kind of to pivot off of that a little bit, one thing that I was kind of in shock about in that, I guess you did open my eyes up to a little bit more is kind of when we were trying to work to find places, like the waiting list for DV shelters is phenomenal. The inability to host a woman in need or to find her a place to lay her head during this crisis in our market is, it's ridiculous. There is no area that is able to kind of quickly get someone in. So if you don't have that sense of community, I guess that was one thing that, you know, everyone's on Facebook, like, call this number, call this number. Well, I don't know if any of those people have actually ever called those numbers because those numbers don't have the ability to get you in. Um, And then that one where she was like, we don't do DV. And we're like, your entire website says that you take victims of domestic violence. Like your whole platform is dedicated to domestic violence. And they were like, yeah, we, we changed our minds. Like what? Like is, you okay like maybe you should take down your entire marketing team because that's not that's not how any of this works so tell me a little bit about kind of what you experienced when you were trying to to reach out to those places I will say probably and this is maybe gonna sound harsh but it's realistic feedback hopefully 
they don't hear it in this capacity. Um, but probably the most frustrating thing about the organizations that I touch base with is when you reach out for that initial phone call, they uh, promise a lot of things that are not they're not able to deliver on. And when you're in such a fragile and vulnerable position, if somebody tells you that they can do something, like you have you place hope in that and you place like a sense of relief in that because you're like, oh my gosh, X just got, you know, checked off my list. Great. Let's move on to the next thing. And then when that falls through, it it maybe it's just because I'm pregnant. It's devastating. It is. Um so I was calling every shelter, every resource that people could give me and something that I was running into that was an additional issue is that um, they don't have the space. And then if you have a dog, uh, they most likely will not take you with the dog. And somebody can correct me if I'm wrong on this because it opened my eyes to this. There is a statistic of over 50%, I believe is what it said, of women who are in domestic violence who may not leave because of their animals. Because they know that they will not be able to take them with them. So, like, I understand if somebody's on the outside looking in, they're like, oh, it's just a dog. Well, in my situation, um, when I was 18, this is for another time, I guess. When I was 18, I I attempted suicide. Um, And one of the things that got me through that was my dog. Um, When my grandma died, uh uh-uh. My dog was there. <laughs> yeah, um, I mean that is your that is a stability and a a point that that is something that is a comfort. I mean it's it's basically like another human that talks back less, like a comfort animal and comfort like that is an emotional support for anyone who you know might need an additional companionship. It is, and I remember texting with you because you were trying to help me and find solutions. I think at one point I told you, I said, I will I will sleep in my car with my dog before I will go somewhere without my dog. Um, and I think that's just because when you're in that situation, like what we talked about, and you've gone, you've called shelter after shelter, and they're like, we don't have room, we can't place you, we don't have resources, we don't have funds, or like one of them had, one of them was even like, well, the economy. Well, okay. <laughs> um, I you're just like, Whatever comfort or, or sense of stability you have left, you're just going to fight, no, pun intended, like a dog to keep it. Um, so, it, yeah, I definitely think that the shelters in our area, uh, they either need help or additional resources or to, to reformat. I'm not sure. I actually know someone right now who's a single mom um, who has three children. So I'm very blessed that I'm not quite in that situation. Um, and she lives and works in Fayette. Um and had to find a shelter in Richmond. That is the closest shelter that she could find. Um, so she's driving back and forth every day with her kids. And I just think that that's crazy that in a city as big as Lexington, we can't figure it out. Yeah. And the, at the like you said, the amount of resources are so limited. And I think that, you know, there's a big hype and facade up. And this is not a diss at anyone who you know, works with these programs. I think they're amazing and they have the capability to do great things, but they don't have all the resources that they need. And for a city as big as Lexington, unfortunately, this is getting a little bit too common and too comfortable for for home. And these women don't have the ability to go anywhere. They, they don't. Uh, and another thing that was spicy about my situation is I was appointed a, a, a victim advocate from one of these places, um, and uh, they said that they would be at a court date. And again, 
if somebody tells me they're going to do something in my situation, I'm, I'm going to believe them. Um, and not only did they not show up, they lied. <laughs> um, they tried to say that they did show up. And so once that happened, all trust, all faith, all hope in in that you know organization and experience, it was gone. And it was really sad because everyone on social media was like, this is the place to go. Like, they're going to help you. They're going to pull you out. And then, um, you know, they didn't even show up. So, again, I definitely think that there needs to be some some revision done. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. Um, I, I couldn't agree with you more. You already know in a very un-PG facility kind of how I feel about those things because I was getting really irritable. And that's kind of what made me want to try to start finding resources that are actually factual and uh, able to assist because most of the places that we were given did not, like they didn't help with a jack squat. And, you know, you and I had discussed, like, if you're going from working from nothing to getting a new job and kind of having to pivot, you do you take a job with a $55,000 salary mm-hmm, yeah. and struggle to feed your child? Or do you take a job with a $40,000 salary? You get a little bit more comfort room, but now you're having on to rely on an assistance. And it's one of those double-edged swords because you, you're you like, I don't want these things. Like, I'm going to do it for my kid. And I I applaud that. And I I am in all of that willingness to fight and you've come out and you find a new job and it's fantastic. But a lot of women, you know, if they've where you had such success in that area, a lot of women don't. And so they find themselves getting in lower paid jobs and ending up on government assistance. And it's a little bit more of a vicious cycle. I feel like that continues to grow and grow and grow because the right systems aren't in place. Oh yeah, it's literally like playing chicken with a train. Um, when I I when I left my situation, I was unemployed, had no money, homeless, living in a at a house that was provided for me graciously, and I was calling you know our programs that are in place like WIC. I'll be transparent, WIC, SNAP, Medicaid, um, and one of the things that I think is crazy is that I'm on the phone with Medicaid. It took five hours. I'm answering all these questions and I say, hey, I'm pregnant. Um, And they say, great, we need a signed medical statement from your doctor to prove you're pregnant. And I said, okay, I mean, I don't mind. And I was like, but (laughs) why? Um, And they said, because people just lie and say that they're pregnant to get on it and to get better benefits out of it. And I, I was mind blown. So I jumped through the hoop. I made an extra doctor's visit, got it, signed, submitted it. And then, you know, with, with Snap and WIC, yeah. Like, so it's a six-hour phone call. Or that's what mine was. I don't know if it was just busy. Um, they want to know everything about you. It's very <laughs> – like a I, I i would equate it to like a strip cavity search like it was very much in your business they needed to know everything and then um there's more hoops to jump through if you do get on it let's say your income changes even in the slightest they want to know within two business days is what i was told so i know that we did text and talk about that back and forth on the phone of like do i take a better paying job or do i stay on these benefits and i would like to say there's nothing wrong with being on benefits they are there to help you when you need them my issue was with it was probably my pride that I've never had to do that before. My issue with it also was my whole world just shattered because I was relying on someone else, my ex-husband. I didn't want to have to rely on a system or anyone for anything 
because I was terrified. I wanted to know that if my roof was going to fall, it was my fault, um, not someone else's. So I am very blessed. Like you said, I did find an, an amazing job in, in sales in a field that I've done well in in the past. Um, and it appears like I won't need that assistance, which is exciting. Um, but yeah, that's just, it, it is really <laughs> They, they want you on it and to stay on it or they don't want you on it at all. And I will die on that hill. <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't know if you've ever watched the show Made on Netflix. Um, I had started it in honest hand to God. I couldn't finish it. Um, it is about a single mom who has no extra community and mm-hmm. she battles through the rigorous, all of the things just to get kicked back in the face by the government again and I got to about episode four and I was sobbing and I just said I, I I can't watch this like I can't get through this knowing that this is actually it was so well done um trigger warning if you're in like I if you are any sort of hormonal don't watch it but it <laughs> is very like it's very realistic and very much a about a mom who's trying to work a cleaning company to make money to you know, provide for her daughter, but the housing that they've got her in is literally like falling and rotting from the ground up. And she's relying on all of these people and they're not reliable and they're not taking care of her. And Mm -hmm. how many challenges you have to jump through, like you have to have so many pay stubs to get an apartment, but most DV victims have been at home with the abuser. So you don't have pay stubs to provide. So how do you prove to them that you're going to work your ass off to get a job? Excuse me, your derriere (laughs) off to get a job without all of these actual tangible inocular proof. So well, you, you know it gets I'll answer that fired for you. up. You can't because we we but we know that I went through that. I had no pay stubs. I applied to every apartment and every mother's apartment that there is. And every time I got shot down and I was reaching out to, you know, organizations we we mentioned earlier saying, Hey, I have four months of pay stubs, not six. Can you help me? <laughs> no, we can't help you. There's nothing we can do. Oh, okay, cool, cool, cool. Got it, got it. So, yeah. <laughs> again, I got very blessed. Um, I something that I've learned in this situation is that pride is expensive. <laughs> yeah, and when you don't have a job, you can't afford it. And so I <laughs> have had to throw my pride out. Hopefully, one day I recover it. But she gone. Um, and I got really desperate on a Friday night. I was staying in a very questionable motel. Definitely had bed bugs. Definitely felt some creepy crawlies, and I I was just crying my heart out to be honest with you. And I had the I had to get that motel because it was one of the only ones where I was at that would take my dog again. And so I'm just laying on this bed in this questionable hotel. I can hear babies crying around me, you know, crazy stuff like that. And I'm just crying. And I think it it had been it literally three weeks at this point and in, in my journey. And I was just like Jesus, like. I like this is my breaking point. Like I was like I'm a, I'm a mama. I have a dog. I was like I've tried. I've jumped through all the hoops. I've prayed. I've had faith. Like I'm fighting. I was like I'm out of gas. Like I need you to put something in me to keep me going. Like I I was like like this. I said this feels harder than staying would have. Like it feels like I'm the one that's being punished. I said, I don't feel like this is like, this doesn't feel like justice. Um, And I just, I cried for about two and a half hours and just sobbing, you know, went through rolls of toilet paper. And um, I just felt like he was saying, 
like some people say you can't hear God. I think you can. I just felt like he was saying like, I, I know where you're at and I know where you need to be and you're so close. And so what did I do? I got on my social media again, saved my butt. And I remembered that there's this landlord that's on my social media who I've commented on her thing. She's commented on mine, never met her, but she seemed so nice. And so out of probably the 35 landlords I have on Facebook, I picked her and I messaged her and I said, hey, I have the dumbest business proposal for you in history. I have no money. I am homeless. I cannot give you a security deposit. I cannot give you a down payment. I I am unemployed. I have a dog. I said, but I said, hear me out. Like a good tenant on paper. I mean, (laughs) sign me up. I know. I was like, but hear me out. I said, you've, we've, we've followed each other on Facebook for about a year and a half. So you, you, you've seen a glimpse of who I am. You've seen the success that I held within insurance. I would believe that if you went through my profile, you would say she's a fighter. I said, I have nothing to promise you other than I will bust my ass to repay you whatever gap there is in rent. I will pay extra each month once I get a job just to make sure that you don't lose it. I was like, what are the odds that you would help me? And then I just prayed. I put my phone down and I said, Jesus, because not to, I know I talk about Jesus a lot, but um, in the Bible, there's a story that stuck with me. The Israelites are leaving Egypt after like 70 years of slavery, I think, or 40 something crazy. Um, And the, the Pharaoh has agreed to let them go. He ends up changing his mind and he sends chariots um, to, to pursue them and take them back as prisoners and, and actually slaves. And so they can see them coming behind. The Israelites can see the Egyptians coming behind them, knowing that if they get them, they're probably either going to be killed or taken back into slavery. And then in front of them is a Red Sea, <laughs> which is like an ocean. So what are your choices? You either drowned or go back into slavery. And it was, I, and it, it, it says the Israelites literally had the same response that I did. Jesus, it feels like it would have been easier if I just stayed. Like this feels like lack of justice. This feels like misery. There is no hope in this. And uh, in that story, um, God parts a literal ocean. And it says that they walked through it, um, an actual ocean. They got to walk through the floor. And then as they were walking through behind them, he closed the water so that the the Egyptians could not get them. Um, and so I was like, Jesus, like, this is my Red Sea. She's going to give me a chance. I can't knock on any more doors. She messages me back and says, I was actually a victim of domestic violence. Um, and somebody took a chance on me. And somebody showed me mercy. And all that they asked was that I showed the next one mercy. She said, so I don't allow dogs. And I typically require rent and a down payment. But I'm going to let you move in, and we're going to figure this out. Uh, oh, it gives me cold chills. I, I literally, I was like, I promise you on everything in my life that anytime I have extra money or anything, I will give it to you because I know that that is what is owed. And so she said, okay. She said, here's the address. I said, I'm going to be homeless as of Monday. Um, she said, okay, well, I'm going to send someone to meet you that weekend. So long story short, I go meet another person who I have on Facebook, never met before. She shows me this apartment. While she's doing that, she said, by the way, I saw your Facebook post. Um, I know I've never met you. I bought you a bed and a bed frame. It's going to be here tonight. I'm going to help you set it up. I literally start crying. Um, I've never met this woman. <laughs> and so I looked at her and I just kind of clicked. I said, are you who saved my, my landlord's butt five years ago? And she said, yeah, it was me. Uh, 
I mean, it takes a village, like it takes a whole village and it gives me cold chills to sit here and like hear you say that because everybody has had that one person who has tossed them the bone. And I remember mine and I like once we started talking about it, I was like, oof, um, she will probably never hear this um, podcast. But Jody Goff is like my life savior from a, a situation that I did not love to be in. And yeah, it's it's those type of people that you need in the universe. And then when you can give it to somebody else or you can help somebody else navigate it, it's it's a big difference. I mean, yeah, yeah. So she, yeah, so I'm, you're right. So she, she came back and built me a bed, a bed frame and uh, uh, actually um, made a donation that allowed me to um, pay. Uh, she, she, sorry, this is to get emotional. She, she said she'd been praying over a donation in the dollar amount and gifted me a, a, what felt like a million dollars. And I was like, oh my gosh, woo, I can get groceries for like a month. Um, and then the next day, my lawyer reaches out to me and says, hey, these court fees are unavoidable. Here's the amount. Um, and, and it's what it's going to take to dissolve your marriage. And I literally started laughing because it was the exact amount Ugh. that she had given. I mean, could it have even played better into, Lord, it just, it riles me up. Like, it's so good it hurts. Now but, I'm bitter. I had to pay that court fee. But well, <laughs> Welcome to the justice system. Thanks, Fayette County. You're a real peach. If anyone um, wants, should we tell them what my predicament, what happened? Yeah, give them the, the enough to throw the wow factor, but not enough for um, your current attorney to group text us because we ain't, we ain't <laughs> trying to get in trouble. Well, that's another thing real quick before I tell you my tea. Um, my attorney, huh, because of Lindsay, I guess I presume, uh, my attorney is is helping me just just to be kind and every time i say can we work out a payment plan she laughs um and i don't know about you all but my experience with attorneys is minimal and my knowledge of them was that if you don't pay them they will not help you and well, i don't want to she is she is good people and i couldn't love her more and i hope she listens to this because i couldn't <laughs> love her more if i tried she, she literally saving my butt saving my butt so my predicament <laughs> This man asked me to marry him. And I assumed that because he asked me to marry him, he was in a position with which he could get married. <laughs> Ladies. That is be- so wrong. Do not believe them when they tell you this. Um, so Friday night, a domestic violence situation occurs. I call 911. This turd of a person is taken away or taken out of the home. I get to stay in the home. The next day, Lindsay's helping me from Minnesota, right? That's where you were in Michigan. Minnesota. Minnesota. I get put in a group chat with her and my new attorney. <laughs> um, and uh, my attorney asked me a f- who who a female's name is. And they had the same last name as my ex-husband. Uh, and I was like, I don't know who that is. <laughs> and in a group text, while well, I'm trying to fit as much as my life as I possibly can into a U-Haul, I find out that when I got married to my husband, he was married to someone else in the same state. 
So, um, yeah, fun fact, we found out that if you go to get a marriage license, um, they don't like fact check you. So they just say, are you married? And if you say no, the clerk says, cool, 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 sign here. Um, and you're like, okay, great. So you can just go and get married to all the friends that you want. Oh, it's also a felony. But yes. Um, so don't, I don't recommend it, but you can just go get married to as many people as you want and nobody's ever going to know until the tea is spilled. Right. So on a Sunday at like, I think it was like 11 or 12 in the morning, like PM, whatever, AM, whatever, you know what I'm talking about. Um, yeah, I get a text, find out that not only was he married when we got married, entered into mediation or whatever it's called, uh, for his second marriage the day after we get married. And is not divorced until two months into our marriage. And here's why. There, there are many reasons that this makes me angry. But if you want to know what makes me the most angry, to be honest with you, is that he struggled so much with jealousy. Um, and at the time, I didn't realize it was a massive red flag. I thought, oh, there's trauma. We've got to work through this. No. I would wear leggings because it's 2023 or yoga pants or God forbid a bikini because it's summer and he would get so mad and it would be a fight and he would say things like, I see men looking at you and it makes me think that you're a whore or uh, he would want to go through my phone and say that I was hiding, (laughs) that I was married because he didn't have social media, so he didn't know that he was all over my social media, and so were his kids. Like everyone knew I was married. Some people told me, "Shut up, post something else." So I think that that is uh, what makes me the most angry. Is that why you're telling me I'm a whore for wearing yoga pants in the year 2023? Uh, you're actually married. <laughs> yeah, it's also it's an it's a manipulation factor. Like it is a manipulation condescending i mean at this point it like is so bizarre to me that it hurts like it's just like what in the actual trauma is happening here i don't really understand i mean you know that yeah so i found out he was married obviously and that spiced some things up and then so i found out that sunday morning that sunday night um i just felt like i needed to call the kids mom who I did not have a good relationship with um, because she had no idea that this happened. He still had his kids because I couldn't keep them. They're not legally mine. Um, So I called her and I was like, you have been very mean to me. Uh, I do not like you. I think that you're a very mean person. However, I said, if I am ever in the situation that you are in one day, I would hope that other woman would call me and tell me what happened and what my kids saw so that I can come up with a game plan of how to protect them because they're so young. They shouldn't have experienced that. So that was a fun phone call. Um, And during that phone call, I just found out so much about my ex, just dark things that he had done in the past that had been put into like, I guess, sealed records in our system um, and just things that he had done that he had hid and manipulated and, and things that he, she didn't know what all he had told me, Lindsay. But let's say that he told me story A and she didn't know I knew that. She told me story B and everything matched except he was not the victim in it. He was the perpetrator. So she didn't know I knew all that. And I was just hearing all this on a Sunday night in this rental house. 
And I just sat in the bathtub without a shower curtain. Just cried. Oh my gosh. I, I was like, this man is a monster. And, and if we want to get real, um, I was like, this man is a monster. This man is a predator. Um, this man is a narcissist. He's a manipulator. And I, I am I'm pregnant. Um with a child that he is the father of. And I just, my heart broke. And I just felt like the biggest idiot um, in the book. And I just sobbed and sobbed and sobbed. And I was like, Jesus, like, if you're ever going to ask me to surrender my child to him in any form or capacity of custody, I can't do it. Like, this will be my, this will be where I hard stop you the one time in my life. Um, and so over the next few days, I just felt like Jesus was answering me because in my situation <laughs> where our marriage was never legal, um, I don't have to put him on my birth certificate for my, for my child. Um, and then if he ever wants to try to get custody, he will have to sue me for it and then prove to a court of law that he is a good father. Um, <laughs> and obviously Lindsay and I can't share everything with you all, but that would be quite hard to do. Yeah, that would that would be a that would be an interesting time. I would like to read that transcript. Yeah. So um, I just felt like it was the Lord saying, obviously not an ideal situation, but I am going to step in and we're going to we're going to get through this. What is I know this is like the weirdest question to ask during all of this time as trauma of trauma, but what do you think the one thing that you've been kind of grateful on or grateful about this journey or how have you found gratitude over the times mm-hmm. that you've kind of been coping and dealing with everything? Well, that actually comes from my grandma. Um, I know I've talked about her and Jesus a lot. I should shut up. But um, just really, really quick, because this explains my answer. My grandma, um, when she was eight years old, actually saw her dad commit suicide. Um, she saw him shoot himself in their basement. And uh she was then uh, sexually abused for many years by her older brother. And um, when her dad committed suicide, her mom became a single mom. And this was a long time ago. Different time. Sing, you know, being a single mom was much harder back then. And so she had to work all day and then put herself in school at night because she didn't have a degree and she wanted a better way to provide for her kids. So basically, my grandma grew up very, very, very fast in a very traumatic environment. Um, and I wish you all could know her. She's in heaven. She was one of the most positive people I've ever met. And just in those three things that I've shared with you, I would say those were probably the most minor issues she went in, she went through in her life. Um, she later went on to battle my dad who abused me. She had to go against her own son to protect her granddaughter. And I would say as a mother, I could not imagine that pain because I'm going to have a son and I would whoop his ass if that was the situation. I'll tell you that right now. Um, but my grandma was always so positive. So I would always ask her in my anger and frustration and, you know, through those years of healing, like, why can't you just be bitter? Why can't you just be angry? Like, you have a right. You are a victim. Like, these things are terrible. They should not have happened to you. And I just remember she would tell me over and over again, and this is where I can pull gratitude from in this situation. She would say, things happen to me. And I'm either going to be a victim or I'm going to be a victor. And she said, I will be damned if I'm a victim. Um, She would say, you don't get to choose the cards you're dealt in life. You get to choose how you play them. 
and growing up, this all relates to the biggest lesson she ever taught me is we can rarely control the world or what happens in it or what happens to us. The one thing that we always have the ability to choose and control is our attitude. And it has to be one of gratitude. Otherwise, our stories, our lives, everything is a waste if we're just giving in to what happens to us and allowing it to bounce off of us. So that's one of my biggest ways that I'm able to find gratitude and strength in the situation is just years of training of her remembering, okay, I'm homeless, no money, no job, pregnant, no husband. What can I control? I can control how I respond. How do I fight back? How do I get out of this hole? I don't want to be in this hole. I'm going to put my head down and I'm going to start climbing. And maybe one day in six months, maybe a year, who knows how long it takes. I'm going to look up and I'm going to be out of the hole and the sun's going to be shining. The other way that I hold on to gratitude is my faith in Jesus Christ. Uh, This is the last cheesy thing I'll say about him um, because people tell me I sound so cliche and naive. That is something people have told me through this. Your faith is dumb. Your faith is naive. You're so cliche. Like your your world's literally falling and you're talking about a man that didn't exist is one of the text messages that I got. Um, so sorry to make this controversial, but uh, I don't know how those people live their lives because the only hope that I truly have is that a man named Jesus uh, came to earth, lived a perfect life for 33 years, and then died and ro- or died on a cross and rose again. And when he did that, it was a promise that he made to me that no matter how bad it gets down here and no matter how bad things are that happen to me, he is with me and he is for me. And so I have whispered that to myself through tears in the middle of the night. I've whispered that to myself through job interviews, through court hearings, uh, through testifying to detectives, that in Christ alone, my hope will be found. That's that's how I've remained grateful. Yeah, no, that is, I mean, that's huge. And you kind of segued into, you know, what we had talked about, about your faith holding you together through everything. And when, when we would hit a roadblock, you'd be like, God's got it. And then the <laughs> very next day, we would find something new and be like, all right, we're back in the game. But if we got hit with the God's got it, it was kind of like, okay, we need to rest for tonight, rest the brain, Mm -hmm. revisit tomorrow, because tomorrow somebody might write back and say, okay, here's what we can do. And each day, you're right. Each time we've hit a roadblock, um, I I wouldn't say my prayers have always been nice. I've been like, all right, God, come on now, big boy. Yeah. (laughs) And surely enough, the next day, he has has made a way um, where there was no way. So that is that is my answer is that I guess it's easier for me because I've seen him part my Red Sea, but yeah. What do you think, and you might not even have an answer to this, what do you think has been for you the biggest and most like helpful resource or something that you, like a tangible thing that you've experienced when kind of digging yourself out of this hole and you might not have even found a resource yet that you're like, you know, this this one actually held me together and pushed me through. But kind of what resources would you say helped you thus far? I would say my community, my friends. Those are resources that have not let me down. You all, you're one of them, a huge one. You all have never let me down. You all have never backed down. I would say this isn't another, this isn't necessarily a resource, but it's a reason. Um when I was a kid, my mom had a choice um, to either be a single mom 
and go through the fire and keep her kids or stay with my father and lose them. And my mom walked away and chose my father over us. And so now I'm in the same position that she is in. That is my biggest resource is remembering the hurt and the anger. And I, and I, I go from talking about Jesus to cussing, but I just telling myself, I will be damned if anything is ever chosen over my son. Um, and so that has been a resource of strength of just realizing, I don't care how many times I hit these walls and we get shut down or we get told the system's not in our favor or whatever it is, Lindsay. I don't care because I'm a single mom and I'm going to move the mountain for him because he does not deserve the situation. And we've, we've texted about this several times. This is just, a, this really is such a resource of strength. I just want him to grow up and know my mom had a really bad chapter. I have no idea what happened. What? Yeah. I don't want it to be like, oh, this thing happened to my mom. And like, she was kind of wild after that. Like, I know. <laughs> well, yeah. And he's going to know. And we will make sure that he knows. And on top of that, I feel like single mom is such a, like, it's so cliche, but I don't know how you're single with everybody in the community who has your back. Like, oh, I would agree. I I don't even think I have a village. I think I have a literal freaking army. <laughs> yes. And we are very determined. There's a lot of determined people in, in, in the army. Now, there's some real weirdos on the facey space that we have <laughs> got to purge. You need to purge whenever you're free. But other than that, I would say your community is rather strong. I will say, can we give them something lighthearted to end on real quick? Yeah. <laughs> I will say some of the greatest uh, messages that I've received during this time is um, one lady messaged me and said, don't worry, you just need to pray for an amazing man to save you. It'll all work out. Yeah, and then, his name is Jesus, you weirdo. Somebody else said, and you know, honestly, this this person needs to be in sales because they have the balls for it. Uh, a man messaged me and said, now that your first husband is out of the way, can I be your second? Like, I just... No, that is a hard no and so cringy. It like runs down my spine. And you know what? If my like my husband knows, I will be fully unhinged. And he probably thinks I'm like a tiny chihuahua. But if he is listening, Jay, if you're listening, you know that these men drive me into an absolute tangent of unhingement and that I am like absolutely not like cringe gross by. Uh, no. One of them was a firefighter. Like, let's just... Oh, my God. I need names and numbers. I will march to that station right now. We will... Well, Jason, <laughs> I am coming for him. You should know. Guard your friends, because it is time. <laughs> oh, gosh. Well, I, I... Before we get me fully riled up, the children don't have time for all of that. But Maddie, thank you so much for coming on and kind of sharing your story. I am in awe of just even how the last few months have gone and kind of how everything is transpiring. And you are super strong. And I think Marty's right. I think you say, you share your story, whether it's in the dinosaur costume or not. You tell the people what they know and they don't know. And then block all the rest of the people on Facebook. <laughs> we will purge. Yes, we we it, it is time. <laughs> so, thank you so much. I really appreciate it and we will talk soon. Bye. Bye. Thank you.